So, continuing on with our series, A Fool and His Money. I'm going to be talking to you today about the supernatural side of giving. Um, now, to do that, I think we need to start with what is supernatural? How do we define supernatural? What is it that I'm talking about? So, supernatural, very simply, an event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. So basically, simple terms, it's something we don't know. So that is what I'm going to be talking to you today. How do we give and give supernaturally? When we think about God, that's what we as Christians, as believers, that's what we think about when we think about supernatural. You know, if somebody says, I can't explain that, I say, I can, I can explain it. That's God. So I want to tell you guys, first, before we get started, I just want to lay that foundation of the supernatural aspects of God. So God is what we refer to as omni. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. It means he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's always present. Now, the best way to sum this up, David did it for us in one of the Psalms. And just to hit some of those points... Uh, David said in the Psalms, this is from Psalms 139, he says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Then he goes on further down to say, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? For you created my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Right there, just goes through it. He knows everything. Before we know it, he knows it. Before we do it, he knows we're going to do it. Wherever we are, he's there. The same goes for our thinking of supernatural. Now, Jesus came down to earth, and he had those same supernatural abilities. You know, he was just as much God as he was man, so he had those same powers. And he talks to us about money and possessions multiple times in the Bible. Out of his parables, 16 of the 38 parables in the Bible are about money or possessions. 288 verses in the Gospels alone deal with money. And then if you look at the Bible as a whole, 500 verses deal with prayer, but over 2,000 he talks about our money and our possessions. So why is it that this all-powerful God who knows all, who is at all times, and is all-powerful, found it so important that his son spoke to us so often about money and possessions. You know, I'm going to repeat back to you what Pastor said last week, because it's, it's very important. It's what Martin Luther said, that there are three conversions, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. The first two come easily, but the third one is difficult and takes longer. Why is it? You know, we, we feel things with our heart. You know, we can feel God. Even, even, even if you're lost, you, you feel God. You know something's there, but then you start to feel it with your mind. And you start to understand God. But that third step, that conversion that he talks about of the purse, that's difficult because it's personal. Money is very personal to us. You think, I mean, my kids asked me the other day, Dad, how much do you make? And I was like, you can't ask that. 
Just let me set the tone for you right now. You can't ask a woman how old she is, and you can't ask anybody how much money they make. It's just the rules, guys. So it, we don't want to talk about it because that's a very personal subject for us. It's something that we, we, we hold close to the chest. And that's why it takes us a long time to give that up. So I want to give you a little bit. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 9. But to get us there, I want to talk about what was happening in 2 Corinthians 8. So Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth. But he's currently talking about the Macedonians. In chapter 8, he says that the Macedonians came to him and gave of stuff that they didn't have. He said, they gave, and they gave above and beyond what I expected. He said, I'm here. I showed up to preach the gospel, and they wanted to help me. They wanted to give to me. They were overjoyed to do that. So he's writing chapter 9 basically to set the stage for, listen, you guys in Corinth promised me something, and you better hold up your end of the bargain because these Macedonians, they didn't promise me anything. I didn't expect anything from them, yet they gave all of this. So let's jump into the text. If you guys could stand and turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, saying that Achai has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove vain in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge you brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction." The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written, he has distributed freely he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in thanksgiving to God by the approval of this service they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contributions for them all. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let us pray. Father, I just ask that as we come together here, God, and we come to, to hear what you have to say to us, God, the, the message that you have you already know our thoughts, God. You already know our ways, but we ask, God, that you reveal them to us. I thank you for all that you've done, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So that's a lot of text. 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down to you and show you when we think about that supernatural side of God, how we can reflect that supernatural side in our giving and then how in doing so, his supernatural grace and glory can be reflected through us to others. So if you uh, get out your bulletins there, we've got some notes. Number one in your notes is that supernatural giving is prepared and passionate. Let's look again at what he said in verses one through three. It is superfluous, meaning it, I don't even need to say this. This is Paul basically saying, like, I don't need to tell you this, but kind of a little sarcasm there, like, but I'm going to anyway because I don't want to get embarrassed. I write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know of your readiness. I have boasted about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achai, which is the Corinthians, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending my brother so that our boasting about you will not prove empty in this matter, and so that you may be ready as I said you would be. So Paul is reach, reaching out to those Corinthian people to say, listen, I, I need you guys to be prepared. You told me you would be, and that's great. That's, that's good to tell me you are. But when I show up, you better be ready. I need things, as Christians, we should make sure that our giving is prepared in advance. It's prepared and ready. There's that expectation that if we prepare, that's when God's going to show up. We expect great things, which is why we give. And I'm not just talking about giving financially. I'm talking about giving of our time, our talents, our resources, all of those things. You give with expectancy. One of the you know, best examples of this is the, the boy who came with the loaves and the fish. He came prepared. He had some food, you know, but he, did, he didn't know what God was going to do. The expectation that his small amount of fish and his small amount of bread, God was going to multiply that out and make that a, going from a natural, hey, here's this, to a supernatural, look who I can feed with that. That's what our giving should look like, an expectancy that what we give is going to be multiplied by Christ. God is going to use that and multiply that. Now, another way we can pray for this is prepare for this is through prayer. When you're giving of your time, like if, you, if you're you know, coming to church to serve, show up ready. Show, show up prayed up and ready to go, expecting that what you do is going to affect somebody. What you say, what you interact with people, that there's going to be a mighty move of God because you decided to step out of the natural and give in to the supernatural. You know, there's, there's a verse, it says in uh, Proverbs, honor the Lord with the wealth of your first fruits of all your crops. Your first fruits, prepared. Not what's left over, not what's there to decide. It's you taking your first fruits and deciding what you're going to give to God. Not thinking to yourself, well, what can I keep? But thinking, what can I give? What is it that I can give to God with the expectancy that he's going to multiply that for the good of his kingdom? Moving on to point two in your notes. Supernatural giving is executed and assured. 
to the Corinthian church, he said, Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. Paul's already set it up and told them, you guys got to be ready. But he wants to make sure that they execute what they've promised. When we look in in chapter 8 of what he specifically says about the Macedonians, he says they gave the Macedonian people according to their means. And I can testify beyond their means of their own accord. I didn't beg them to give me anything. They just showed up and gave beyond what they could give begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. The Macedonians just didn't show up and want to give. They showed up and begged to give. They said, please do me a favor and let me give to you. This is, listen to this part. This, not as we expected. Paul did not expect that from the Macedonians' people, an impoverished poor people. But this is the key. Spiritual giving starts here. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. If you hear what that says, the first thing they did was give of themselves to the Lord, meaning they showed up ready to work. They showed up ready to serve, ready to do whatever Paul needed. And then by the will of God gave to us, Paul saying to me, to my ministry. If you hear what he's saying there, they gave of themselves before they gave of any kind of financial blessing to him. That's supernatural giving, deciding that the first thing I want to do is give of myself. I need to be ready. But when you talk about executing what you've promised, that's what we have to do. You have to be somebody that people can trust, that people can rely on. As a Christian, you know, people are already going to look and question like, well, you believe this stuff. Why do you believe that stuff? You have to follow through and execute on what you say. The Bible says in Matthew 5.33, you have heard that it was said to our people long ago, don't break your promises, but keep the promises you make to the Lord. The Lord tells us to love our neighbors ourselves, to give. He tells us to do all of these things. And if we promise to do that, if you promise to show up somewhere Somebody, even as simple as somebody asks you, hey, can you help me move? And you're like, yeah, I'll be there. And then you just don't show up. That's not just a reflection on you. That's a reflection on someone who sees you and says, oh, that's great. That's that guy again. He's probably at church. You know, he didn't want to come and help me. We should make sure that our reflection is that we're going to follow through. As Christ followed through on everything he promised, we need to follow that example and do everything in our power to make sure our supernatural giving is executed and assured. Point number three in your notes. Supernatural giving is charitable and cheerful. Charitable and cheerful. In verses six and seven, Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
I was recently reading a book. Um, it was a, man, a book about management. And uh, it's a Christian book. And in there, there was a, a quote that it really spoke out to me when I started studying for, for this message. And basically, the, the guy's writing a story about this CEO who runs a company that is consistently one of the top companies to work for, the top where, where the employees say, I want to work there. I'm happy to work in this place. So as he's waiting to speak to the CEO, he's there with the executive assistant, and she's just happy and bubbly, and he asks her, like, why are you so happy to work here? And her quote is this. He, talking about the CEO, he expects the best from us, and we give it to him because we know that he is giving the best to us in return. And that just struck me as, that's, that's Jesus. That's why we want to do good things for him because if anybody, this is a CEO, but if we think about what Christ has already done for us, he already gave us, the best isn't even how to describe it. He gave us more than we could ever have hoped for. That's why we give our best back to him because it's already done. He already gave it to us. That's why we want to, we understand why we're giving back. It's not just we're doing it because we're told to. We get it that we're giving back because he gave us eternity. Like, I, I can never repay that debt, ever. But I can try. I can try to do it cheerfully. I can try to do my best to give back to him and let him know I appreciate what you've done and I'm going to give you back my best because it's what you've already done for me. When we look in Proverbs 17.22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. When you're giving joyfully, when you're doing anything joyfully, when you show up to serve and you're doing it prepared and prayed up and you are happy to be somewhere, people can see that on you. They can see your joy and they can see that you're having a good time. But when you're doing things with a a negative spirit, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go serve. People can see that. You, I'm sure all of you have seen that person at McDonald's. You go up to buy something, and they're like, what do you want? You know, but you've also had that experience where you go through the drive-thru, and that person's like, hey, welcome. How can I help you today? And you're like, what is this? Why is this person so happy? I mean, it, this is crazy. You can tell the difference by that person's spirit. That's the way we should be when we give of everything. When we give of our time and our efforts, people should see on us, why? they're here sc scooping potatoes. Why are they so happy? That's the joy of the Lord. And, and just know that once you start to decide, I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my talents. What's going to naturally flow out of that is generosity with your finances. Because... You show me a person that's happy to show up at 6 a.m. and help clean up the parking lot. You show me somebody who's willing to use their talents on the guitar and come up here and for four services over a weekend play a guitar, and then you tell me that that person isn't also giving of their finances. Because a generous person is a generous person. They understand that top to bottom, I just want to give because I know what's been given to me. Point, point four in your notes. Supernatural giving brings about God's grace and his glory. 
when we look back there at what he just said, he told us not to give sparingly. But sparingly there doesn't mean an amount. When you look at what that word means in the Greek, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you show up and you can only give $10, well, that's sparingly. You didn't give a lot. No, no, no. The word there means to hold back, to not hold back. When we look at what it said, you know, I'll read this to you guys. In Romans, it said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? That's sparingly. Not talking about an amount, but he didn't hold back his son. He didn't hold back that free pass to eternal life and forgiveness of your sins. So that's what we're told to. When it says reap and sow sparingly, don't hold back. When we look at what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 through 14 about the grace and the glory of God, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. For it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of his service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but overflowing in the thanksgiving to God. But their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. They will long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon you. When you give supernaturally, you start to see the grace of God in your life. The little things that you do with your time, with your resources, with your thoughts, with your actions, when you start to give those things supernaturally to God, you can start to see his grace. And then through that, other people can see God's glory reflected through you. Now, I know this personally. Um, I was able to see how supernatural giving of other people can through me reflect out God's glory, totally unexpectedly. Some of you may know I have three children that are adopted. And if you know anything about international adoption, if you've had international adoption, you've, you've done it yourself, you know that it is a very taxing experience. It's taxing physically, mentally, emotionally, and definitely financially. And as we were going through these adoptions, they were Every time, we knew that it's what God wanted for our lives. We knew it. It was crystal clear, we need to adopt. But every time, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, we don't have enough money to have kids yet. We most literally did not have money to do the adoption. But because of faithfulness, because we had been taught our whole lives, you know, my wife and I grew up in a, in a family where our grandparents and our parents, they taught us about tithing and giving back and being faithful with those type of things. We knew that when you're faithful to God with a little, he can give you a lot. So we decided to move forward. 
and we started to see supernatural giving by other people. People that had saved money for other things decided, I'm going to give some of that money to you. There were grants that we applied for that we, step-by-step criteria, we did not meet the criteria, but we got the grants. That's supernatural. That's not something I did special. I filled out a form, right? That's supernatural because I didn't fit there. There were family members that, that gave above and beyond because they wanted to speak into our lives. Now, during this whole time, as we've, you know, Dan Rayberg would be mad, so I hope he's not listening to this, but we did wipe out our bank accounts. And through it all, though, we continued to tithe and we continued to faithfully give, knowing that I'm given a little and I expect that God's going to give a lot. And every time, that's what happened. Now, towards the end of our last adoption, there was a time where we felt that we, we needed to give a little more. It was the end of the year, and we needed to just give a little more. And so we looked, and we found an organization that does surgeries for babies in China that have cleft lip and cleft palates. And we're like, okay, let's do that. We'll, we'll give a little bit more, and basically, it's you pay, and the surgery's completed in China. So this baby who, who can't have that surgery, they can have that now. So we, we did that, we stepped out in faith, and we did that. Now, for this adoption in particular, um, my wife and I, we, we knew we were going to adopt with a special needs child, and, and we, were, we were prepared for what that might be, what that might look like. And so we're waiting, and we get that call that our baby is, is you know, our, our child is here. So we're, all right, tell us about her, tell her about her. And they say, okay, well, she's got some speech delays. And we're like, okay, yep, I got that, we're good. And she also has a cleft lip and a cleft palate, and we're like, okay. And they were like, what else? What else? Like, waiting for the list. And they're like, that's it. What do you mean that's it? Like, what other needs does she have? What else does I have to work through? And like, that's it. And it was just God's speaking back to me, like, you were faithful. And, and it showed us right there. Like, we had, we had done that for the surgery. And somebody else, somewhere else in the world, had done that same thing and repaired our child's cleft lip, cleft palate. Now, yeah, amen. Now, it doesn't end there because that's, that's showing that the grace of God. But when I talk about reflecting back out his glory, since then, we've had the opportunity for people to come up to us and say, well, I, I really want to adopt, but I can't. You know, I want to do it, but it's so expensive, I can't do it. And we've been able to say, yeah, you can. Let me tell you my story. Let me show you what God did for me. And that's a reflection of him. Not look at what I was able to do and this child I was able to adopt, but look at how God made that possible and think about what he can make possible for you. When you think about giving, when you give in the natural, that's great. We need natural givers. We need, here's money for that situation. You know, that's what happened with Guatemala. People gave naturally. They said, here's my money. Let's breast Guatemala. But God used it supernaturally because not, you know, our initial intent was to send money down there, send it down to Hope of Life and help them. But God took that, took your blessings, and turned it supernaturally to now this Sunday, we're starting our first service at a church that God blessed us with through that natural gift. Amen. Gener you know, when you start to, you know, me and my wife learned about tithing from our grandparents to our parents. We're teaching our kids about giving of their time. Our kids serve in the, the kids' area back there. 
Our kids, you know, when they get a birthday gift, they have to give 10% of that back, you know, and they want to now. Whenever they get it, they're like, Dad, how much is 10% of this? And I'm like, well, I got to teach you math, but, you know, <laughs> let's do that. But again, natural giving is now. That's right now. Generational giving, that's future, and that's good. Again, natural giving now is needed. Generational giving is needed. But supernatural giving is eternal. That's the giving that matters for your eternity. Now, for the last point in your notes, point number five, supernatural giving is exemplified by a supernatural God. Paul ends this chapter by saying, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That gift being Christ. He gave us a gift that is inexpressible. And when you look back at how we can give supernaturally, and we just think about what God did. He prepared the arrival of his son. He assured our salvation through that son. And he gave him cheerfully to an undeserving people. And he showed us by doing so his grace, so that through that, his glory could be given to us so that others could see their way to him.